There's great power in a name. It says who we are. It's what we are known by to all those around us. And there's nothing so powerful as the name of the Lord God. In a world that often feels chaotic and fear-filled, God's name is the one to hold close. In this series on the names of God, CMC pastors will be sharing the importance and emphasis of each name and revealing how they meet the needs of our everyday circumstances and situations. Join lead pastor Tim Brooks in this series on the names of God. Want to welcome you to this series on the names of God. In the Bible, as we study the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew. We've been talking about the fact that the Hebrew language is very, very descriptive language. English is not. So translating a very descriptive language like Hebrew into English, we find English just having God or Lord. That's it. And Hebrew has over 80 names for God, each name describing a different attribute or a different characteristic of God. So to get to know God, we've got to learn about his characteristics, who he is, what he does, how he does, how he thinks. And so a study of the names of God in the Old Testament opens our eyes to seeing a deeper understanding, a more clear understanding of who God is. So to keep us from a two or a three year study on the names of God, because there are over 80 of them, we've just picked out and highlighted uh, a few, and I'd say a few of the more prominent use, but the truth is, I picked out a very few that I could pronounce. Uh, I mean, well, how do you pronounce all these? I, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, you're on your own, so, uh, but I picked out the ones that I could pronounce. Even the ones that I couldn't pronounce, that's how Paul and uh, Josh got the ones that they've been assigned to teach. Being the senior pastor has some perks, and I take full advantage of that. So the names I can't pronounce, that's how Paul got to teach the ones he's teaching. In our introduction, and I know we can't go back each week and reteach, reteach all that we do, but we talked about two root words that are used in many of the names of God. Elohim, it's used 2,570 times in the Bible, comes from root word El, which is mighty, strong, prominent. We see that El Bethel, El Shaddai, Elohim. We talked about that meaning of that is creative or governing power, creative power. The other root word that is often used is Jehovah. It's used 6,823 times. Jehovah Eli, Jehovah Elon. Jehovah means to be, to live, permanent existence. So we put those two words with other words. And in this lesson, we want to look at Jehovah Jireh. Turn to Genesis chapter 22. Jehovah, permanent existence. Always will be alive. Always will be. Always will be alive. That's the word Jehovah. Now you're also going to find Jehovah and the word Yahweh interchangeable. Uh, We'll get to a little bit more of that later. Jehovah, always will be, always alive, permanent existence. Jireh means will provide. So Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The book of Genesis provides us a recounting of, of one event after another event in history where God reveals himself to mankind. Now, a big problem, 
And, and let me just digress here just a minute. A big problem that it, people often get in reading the Old Testament. They get hung up on the story. Well, how did this happen? Well, that's or And there are things left out or there are things that don't make sense when you're reading the story or reading the event. Here's the problem. The problem is not about that event. The problem is about God. You've got to know that God is the central character. So who, Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Esau, who Esau and well, how did Jacob and Esau and God like to be doing? Well, if, if you start getting into the story and making them the major characters, then you're going to miss the point of the story. The point of the story is not about Jacob or about Esau. It's about God. It's not about Moses. It's about God. It's not about Samson. It's about God. And so anytime you're reading the Bible, the Old Testament particularly, and you're all confused and you come up to me after church and hear pastor read this and I don't understand this. The reason you don't understand it is you got the central character wrong. The central character is God. God is revealing himself to mankind and he is doing that through a recounting of an event. Well, he's telling us about him. So there are things that maybe are left out of the event or things that we don't understand. It's not about the event. It's about God. And it's about God revealing who he is. It's about God revealing his plan of salvation that's coming in a few thousand years through his son. He's setting the stage. He's painting a blueprint for us to be able to receive it, the Messiah when he comes. And when you understand that the Old Testament story you're reading is about God, it's about God. God revealing Jesus, it says in the volume of the book, it is written of him. So the Old Testament, when you find Jesus as the central character in the Old Testament, then you won't come up after church and say, well, now, when this one happened here and this one, now, I don't understand how this happened. This don't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense because you got your characters all messed up. God's the point here. God revealing himself is the point here. So, the book of Genesis provides a story after story of historical events, but the reason for telling that is God revealing himself to mankind. We don't have no idea of God. We don't know who God is. Have no understanding of God. Have no idea of God. You'll be just totally lost where a connection of God is. And so, all through the Old Testament, all through the Old Covenant, we find God revealing who He is, how He thinks, what He likes, what He doesn't like, what He's for, what He's against. We see that through the through the stories that He tells us, because mankind is. In our finite human nature, we can relate to a story that happens about a spiritual truth. And so God reveals spiritual truths to us through events that happen in daily life of people. So, and I don't have time to go back and recap the whole story of Abraham and Isaac. and, And I don't have time to go back and read it, but in Genesis chapter 12... Abraham and, and Sarah, very old, no children. God says, I'm going to make you uh, a, a, the father of a great nation. Then we read on. It's a miracle at 100. At nine, Sarah's on 90. Abraham's 100. She's pregnant. She has this baby. And it's Isaac. And, and, and it's, oh, it's, it's, it's a story. See, you got to read that whole event as it unfolds. I don't have time to go into all that. But if you hadn't found chapter 22 of Genesis, by now you're probably not going to find it. Let me read it. God says to Abraham, here, I am, here, here am I, here I am, here am I. Then God says, 
Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to Mount Moriah, offer him as a burnt offering. Whoa. Okay, ho, 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 ho. We've got a long, I'm going to say a long-awaited son. When you wait till you're 100 to have a boy, that's a long await. So we've got a long-awaited son who is a gift from God. Now, keep in mind, if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, the promise that God made to Abram, I'll make you a great nation, the only way that can happen is through him having a son. The only way that God's promise can be fulfilled is through this boy Isaac. Now think about this. If Isaac dies, the promise is over. Does everybody see that? If Isaac dies, the promise that God has said that he's given to Abraham, it's over. God doesn't make sense here. This does not compute. It's very interesting you don't read where Abraham tells Sarah anything about this. You don't tell your 90-year-old wife that her only son, God just told you to go up and give him burnt sacrifice. So that's something you don't discuss over coffee in the morning. Now see this. Abraham finds himself right here. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought this through, but Abraham finds himself in a theological contradiction with God. Here's one thing God said in Genesis chapter 12. Now, here is another thing that God is saying and, and what God is requiring me to do, okay, chapter 12, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. You're going to have a son. Well, look out the stars. You can count all these stars. It's going to have how many of your descendants are going to be. we got a miracle. We have Isaac. Chapter 22, go sacrifice him. In our life, you, you don't escape difficulties, trials, And in our life, you don't ever escape unanswerable questions. For all of us, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand you, God. This doesn't make any sense. Why, God? Why do you want me to do this? Or how could you do this, God? Why why are you letting this happen? God, where are you when this happened? How could you let this happen? Why are you, God, you're sovereign and you let everything happen that happens. And I know you're in control, but now this is about to happen and this doesn't make sense to me. You know, in the NFL, when a coach thinks a referee has made a wrong call, he throws out the red flag because he wants the official to review his call. Wait a minute. I think you made a wrong call. I want you to go back, look at the film, and make sure that you did what you think you did right there. I think Abraham right here in verse 2 wants to throw out the red flag. God, hold time out. You, You missed something here. See, God, you forgot. Or God, you don't know. Or God, I need to let you in on something that you've missed. God, let me, let me fill you in. You see, look, if Isaac is the sacrifice, then what you said in chapter 12 is not going to happen. And I think you've just kind of got a little oversight here. God, you better go back and review the tape. 
because you've messed up here. The bottom line is we have a trust issue with God. You know, when God says he'll have no other gods before me, I think we pride ourselves in the fact that we don't have a carved statue in our home that we worship. I think we're all proud of the fact that we hadn't gotten all of our wife's jewelry, melted it down, made us a calf, and we got it in the living room, and we all go in there and worship the thing or pay homage to it as we leave to go to work. And, well, I don't have any graven images. I don't have any other. But the truth is, we often do. The truth is, there are things in our life that we put ahead of or above God. There are areas of our life that we don't trust God on. And in that area, then you have a God that's before him. You you have something that carries more weight in your life than he does. And here's what I'm going to tell you. He's not going to have that. He's not going to have any other thing in your life that is before him. And you can be in church and you can love God, but your trust is in your IRA. See, you love God and you're here worshiping God. No, God, I love you, I love you. But, but your confidence is, is in your job. See, your trust is in your retirement or, or in the stock market, in, in the interest rates that are paying you a monthly check. And, and your trust is in that dividend that you get on the 5th day of every month, and that's where your trust is, but oh, I love God, I love God. If you're not careful, that can become a God in your life that's before him. And he's, he's not going to have that. God wanted to know, would Abraham give up his most valued possession? Now, understand, well, blah, give up your son. Um, and some of you with kids, you've been in times in your life where you think, yeah, I'd be willing to do that, especially right now. Uh, we've talked about his room all countless times, and I'm about ready to give him a burnt sacrifice. But no, understand this. This is, it's, it's much more than Abraham being asked to give up Isaac. What Abraham has given up is the fulfillment of all of God's promises in his life. Do you see that? I, I'm laying down everything in, it's not, I'm not, clearly, your son would be the most valued possession, but it's more than that. It's you're laying down everything in your life, all of your future, everything that is going to precede you, your legacy. I'm, I'm laying down my whole life. And, and so God is saying, will you lay your whole life down right now? The question that we have to ask ourselves is, seeing Isaac being a miracle... Do we trust God for his miracles? Do we trust God for his blessings? Or do we trust God for who he is, period? Do we trust God for who he is? All right, let's read on. Verse 3 and 4. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, takes two of his men, and Isaac split wood for the burnt offering. He rose, goes to the place God tells him. Now, it's interesting, as I I read over and over and over this. Abraham's not complaining. He's not mad. He's not turning his back on God. He's not blaming God. He's not saying, well, if this is the way you are, then I'm not ever going to serve you. 
God, if you've let this happen to me, then how could I serve you? If you're a loving God, if you're a good God, then why did you let this happen? You don't hear all that. All that we say and all that we think throughout our lifetime, you, you don't hear any of that. Abraham got up and he headed out. Here's the message. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of all of your questions of why God, how God, why'd you let this happen, God? In the midst of all that, and Abraham had all of those questions, he still trusts God. He still trusts God. Even in what seems to be a theological contradiction, God, you said, now you said, in the midst of all of that, Abraham trusted God. Let's just, I'll take just a minute. We don't have time for this, but we're going to do it anyway. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll show you. The next morning, Abram got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. He chopped wood for a fire of a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed wood on the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried fire in the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. They arrived at the place where God had told him. Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, and then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh. Right here, Jehovah-Jireh is seen. God revealed this name, this description of his character to all mankind. He is the provider. He is the provider. Now, the message of all of this is in the midst of all of the questions, in the midst of unanswered questions, in the midst of great confusion, Abraham just kept going forward until God provided. Just kept going forward until God provided. Just kept going forward until God provided. Put the, got the wood up there and, and just here got Isaac up there and then he just tied him up and then raises the knife and he, you just keep going forward until God provides. God sees the need and God provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. You don't understand it. You can't figure it out. You just keep going forward until God provides. And just as Abraham looked to Isaac as the provision for the promise, 
what happens in our own life is we begin to look at our job as the provision for God's promise. See, God said, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do great things through you. And so Abraham then focuses on Isaac making that happen. See, God says, I'm going to bless you. And if we're not careful, then we begin to look at our job as the thing that's going to make that happen. If we're not careful, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And if you're not careful, then you'll look at your inheritance as a way that that's going to happen. And our eyes get off of God and on to our Isaac. I'm thinking today, and, and I thankfully I forgot about this, but I had a horse some years back, uh, a, a two-year-old, and I'd paid $2,500 for this filly, had her in training for about 10 months, had a man coming to look at her for $40,000. The deal was pretty much put together. We were just about to put this together. During this time, I'm in Honduras serving God, And I get back from Honduras to find that this horse has caught what they call EPM. It's a nervous disorder in horses. It attacks and destroys their nervous system. And it made this horse worthless. God, how could you do this to me? God, I thought you were going to bless me. God, I thought you were going to bless me. I thought you were going to bless Where were you when this horse got this disease? Why did you let this happen? How could you do? God, I was in Honduras serving you, and you did this to me. See, God wants you to know he is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Jireh. Yes, he used horses before that, and he's used many horses since then, to greatly bless Terry and I. But he is the provider. God is the provider. Now it's easy to look to your job. It's easy to look to your paycheck. It's easy to, and over time, you get that paycheck and it pays your bills, and you get that paycheck and it pays your bills, and you get that paycheck and it pays your bills. And, and it's easy over time to come in and we love God, but our job is our need meter. Our job is our provider. And God wants you to know he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. If he's not, where does that leave you when you have a job loss? Where does that leave you when you... See, God, I thought you were going to bless me. Where were you? How did this happen? Why did you let this happen to me? God, why did you let this... See, is your job your provider? Is your retirement savings account your provider? Is your investments in the stock market your provider? Well, where are you when the stock market crashes? See, where are you when the interest rates plummet? Where are you when your job dries up? See, Jehovah Jireh is using your job, he's using your retirement account, Jehovah Jireh is using that to bless you. But if that dries up, he will simply use something else to bless you. You come to a place in your life where you understand that he is Jehovah Jireh. God's very clear. He's not going to have any other gods before him. Be very careful. Don't start looking at your earthly resources and get your eyes off of God. Without realizing it, you've replaced God 
with a greater God in your own life. I want you to see this. Jireh means provider. Now, it's tied to the word Jehovah Jireh. Okay, what does Jehovah mean? Permanent existence. Are you getting this? Permanent existence is my provider. Permanent exist. Jobs come and go. Companies sell. New inventions come up and they completely replace what you do. What you, cattle prices go up, they come down, stock markets crash, gas prices go up, gas prices go down, interest rates on your savings investments go up, they bottom out and they fall down. Jehovah Jireh, permanent existence is your provider. And when you come to understand that, it gives you a worry-free life. It gives you a fear-free life. What am I going to do? What am, oh my gosh, you read the front page of the newspaper and you go into a panic mode. You're not in panic mode because Jehovah Jireh, permanent existence is my provider. Deuteronomy chapter 8, um, a passage we refer to quite often. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember, the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. God gives you the power to be rich. God gives you the power to be successful. Don't ever say it's by my might, by my power. Don't begin to look at yourself as your provider. You know, as often we do, Christians jump from one ditch to the other. Jehovah Jireh, I get it. He's my provider. So we're going to quit our job. We're going to sleep till noon. Hold on. We forget that the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. God doesn't provide any excuse for laziness. Proverbs is full of laziness rebukes. We're not talking about jumping over here in this ditch. It's just a constant awareness. I work hard because that's what I'm called to do. But my source is God, not my strength, not my business ingenuity. My source is Jehovah Jireh. One other scripture real quick, Matthew chapter 6. I'm trying to hurry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. That's why I tell you don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food or your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Don't they plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them? And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God, all else... Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I don't have time to teach that whole passage, but so many people, oh, I'm not going to do anything. Ho, ho, look at the birds. Have you ever seen anything work harder than a bird? I mean, they don't sit on the wire all day long and watch TV. I mean, they're in hot pursuit of a worm, buddy. They are in hot pursuit of a worm. They are after building that nest. I don't know of anything that works harder than a bird does, but it doesn't worry. 
He's not fretting about, there's not going to be any worms tomorrow. Oh my gosh, what am I going to work? He looks to God to provide, but he's working hard. There's, we studied about lilies, and I've done teaching on lilies and all that they do with all the photosynthesis and the change. Of, I mean, the lilies in full-blown work all the time, but yet it's not jerked up and it's not worrying. The point here is, when you look to the economy, the interest rate, your job, your IRA, when you look to the retirement program, when you look to those things as your need meter, you will live in worry, in fear, and in anxiety. Your life changes when you meet the permanent existent one. Always has been, always will be, and he provides for you. Your life changes. Y'all stand with me. Father God, tonight as we leave this place, we leave hand in hand, having had an encounter with you. Lord, tonight we leave with you as Jehovah Jireh in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us each week for the CMC podcast. CMC has so much to offer. We host summer camps for all ages, a Christian school K-4 through 12th grade, youth conferences, a college-age internship, and much more. Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you. 